Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bignall. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, what does your Winnipeg look like in 2030? The upcoming Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City, is taking place this coming Tuesday, and we're going to tell you all about it on today's program. Up first, we'll have the organizer of the event, Carolina Stetcher. She's the Community Engagement Convener at the Winnipeg Foundation. She'll tell us what the event is all about and how you can have your say. Then we'll hear from Hijab Mitra, architect at Miss Texture and designer of Merchant's Corner here in Winnipeg. She's one of the panelists at the Your Winnipeg in 2030 event, and she'll tell us about her approach to design and why it's important for Winnipeg. And finally, we'll speak with Brent Bellamy. He's the creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group, and he's yet another of the panelists at Your Winnipeg in 2030. He'll share his thoughts on sustainability on Portage in Maine and of changing the dialogue about density and transportation in our city. We've got all this some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you on this fine spring day. Today's show, we are going to be giving you a kind of an inside look, a sneak peek of a very cool event that's happening here in Winnipeg on April 3rd. Third, uh, that's this coming Tuesday. It's called Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City. It's going to be an event where the Winnipeg Foundation uh, is bringing together urban planners, community organizations, and just regular folks like you and me to talk about what our city looks like and how it's going to be in how it's going to look like how it's going to look in 2030 when it comes to inclusivity, uh, city design, and what a healthy, sustainable community looks like. That's right. So the event will feature four wonderful panelists, some of whom you've heard on the program in previous weeks, and some of whom we'll be featuring on today's show. The panel will be moderated by Dan Lett of the Winnipeg Free Press, and we'll be talking about breaking down the divisions in our city, fostering reconciliation, and cultivating belonging through urban planning and design. There are a limited number of seats available for the event, so if this sounds like something that's sort of right up your alley or you'd like to uh, participate in the conversation, tickets are available at winnipegvitalsigns.org. If you go to www.winnipegvitalsigns, all one word, .org, uh, it's free. It's a free event, but you do have to register at the website. So again, winnipegvitalsigns.org for your Winnipeg in 2030, building belonging in our city. Yes. So come and join us. Uh, Join the Winnipeg Foundation at its next vital conversation that's taking place this Tuesday, April 3rd at 7 p.m. And that's being held at the University of Winnipeg Richardson College for the Environment and Science Complex, just in the main sort of atrium there. And that is at 599 Portage Avenue. And Robert, you and I will both be there covering the event for River City 360. So come say hi. Give us a give us a high five. Give us a low handshake. Whatever you want to do, a River City 360 will be in the building. So yeah, well, I mean that's worth the price of admission right there. That sure is. Okay, so <laughs> today's show is all about the upcoming vital conversation. Um, uh, we're going to set the table for the next week's event by speaking with a few of the panelists from the event later in the show. We will hear from Hijab Mitra and Brent Bellamy. They are two of the very interesting and well-spoken panelists. We'll also hear from the organizer of the event, Carolina Stetcher of the Winnipeg Foundation, and uh, we'll have her conversation coming up after our very first musical break. Before we uh, get into that, though, we always kick things off with a song, and so today we're going to start things off 
We're talking about our city in 2030, so here's City Lights by Grady Martin and the Slewfoot Five right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sunny Promolo, and with me today is Carolina Stetcher, Community Engagement Convener of the Winnipeg Foundation. Welcome to the show, Carolina. Thanks, Sunny. I'm happy to be here. The Winnipeg Foundation has a really great event coming up on April 3rd called Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City, which is a part of the Vital Signs Project. Can you briefly explain what Vital Signs is? Sure thing. So, Sunny, The Winnipeg Foundation went out into the community in 2017 and essentially asked Winnipeggers what mattered most to them. Uh, We asked Winnipeggers uh, the kinds of challenges we face and also some of the things that we have to celebrate here uh, in in Winnipeg and uh, it all resulted in a great report that had some uh, uh, key findings, some really uh, uh, hard to listen to, but uh, also inspiring key findings and um, uh, and uh, a lot more information. Very interesting. In the title, you have building belonging in our city. What do you mean by building belonging? So belonging was one of the key findings that uh, resulted from that community consultation. And belonging is essentially... Uh, the need of people to uh, or each individual person to feel like they're part of something it's it's actually a basic human need uh, in order to achieve wellness and building belonging is about our surroundings it's about our spaces it's about nature it's about uh, uh, the way that we are able to interact uh, and participate uh, with uh, other people in those spaces and in that nature 
And so why did you choose 2030? Why not like 2050 or something like that? 2030 comes from the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and uh, the UN has essentially set uh, that date of 2030 in order to achieve these goals. And what these goals are about is um, uh, equity and social justice in a sustainable uh, and sustainable growth. And uh, it's uh, become a bit of a universal language in terms of uh, those goals and a universal target uh, worldwide. And not only uh, for the uh, uh, nonprofit sector in which the Community Foundation works in, but also in the private sector and the public sector. Sustainability means a lot of things to a lot of people. For this vital conversation, you really wanted to focus on the natural environment, the built environment, and the people of our city. Uh, what made you choose that when considering a sustainable future for us all? Well, this, this event is uh, really about uh, breaking down uh, barriers uh, through urban planning and uh, community design. Built environment or spaces and nature, the natural environment and people are the three key elements that are needed in considering uh, sustainable planning into the future. And it seemed to be the perfect uh, opportunity to bring people from the uh, planning and design community like architects and urban planners together with uh, the, the nonprofit uh, sector, the people that work in the nonprofit sector, to have those conversations about the things that are necessary in order to break down divisions and build that belonging. Speaking of bringing two uh, sectors together, you have an amazing group of panelists for this discussion, such as Brent Bellamy, Paul Jordan, Hijab Mitra, and Jamil Mahmood. Uh, and you even have Dan Lett as the moderator. Uh, this is some excellent company. Why did you choose them, and how do they play a part in your discussion of natural environment, built environment, and people? That's a great question. It is a great panel, and we're really uh, happy that all of them said uh, yes to our requests. So we chose each of them because they all have, uh, have played a uh, prominent role in some, uh, some uh, part of planning and design in our city. Uh, Brent Bellamy, for example, is a frequent commentator uh, in the uh, Winnipeg Free Press on some of the uh, design challenges that we have in the city and how, and he's always advocating of how um, uh, how we can be better. He's one of those people who pushes us to be better. Uh, Paul Jordan is uh, a visionary from the Forks North Portage Partnership who is, uh, you know, his organization is essentially proposing a new neighborhood at the Forks, which has traditionally been a meeting place and a tourist attraction. And he's, they're proposing a completely different take on that, which is really uh, going to be a, a bit of a, a turning point for Winnipeg, I think. Hijab Mitra has uh, been featured nationally on her work uh, with the Merchants with Merchants Corner. Uh, she did uh, something that um, is not often done when the the opportunity came up to uh, for her uh, um, company to design Merchants Corner, she knocked on doors. She went door to door in that community to ask people mm. their opinions. And Jamil Mahmood has been with uh, 
the Spence Neighborhood Association for well over a decade. And he has, um, uh, he is such an advocate of uh, community building from all those perspectives, from a people perspective, from a natural environment perspective, and from a built environment perspective. So they all they all uh, bring uh, different elements uh, to this conversation. And Dan was the perfect uh, person to uh, be the uh, not only the moderator, but I certainly expect him to be a bit of a uh, uh, provocateur in this conversation and asking some of those tough questions. That's awesome. Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City, sounds like an amazing event filled with insightful discussion regarding the future of our city. What can people expect and what will the process be? Well, it is an evening event and uh, the we're going to start off with our panelists. Uh, Brent is going to set the stage uh, for Winnipeg. Uh, Paul is going to talk about his, uh, or the project at uh, the Forks. Uh, Jamil is going to talk about the Spence Neighborhood Association and uh, all the, uh, and its involvement. And uh, Hijab is also going to talk about um, the, uh, the uh, process of uh, the interactions she had with the community and how it led to the design of uh, Merchant's Corner. So the panelists will go first and then uh, we want to have the conversation at the table. So we expect that uh, participants will have an opportunity to have a great discussion about uh, some of the innovations and challenges uh, that they uh, know of or have read about or have experienced uh, when it comes to breaking down barriers and all in the context of the all in the context of spaces in the context of nature and in the context of people that's awesome that everyone can truly be involved with this whole thing uh where and when will this be held so again the event is on uh tuesday april 3rd that's right after the easter long weekend it's uh the doors open at 6 30 the event starts at seven o'clock it will be held at the Power Corporation Atrium at the University of Winnipeg. That's that uh, building with the periodic table on the outside that mm-hmm. everybody seems to recognize it by that. And the physical address is 599 uh, Portage Avenue. And are there tickets still available? You bet there are. Uh, they are uh, selling out fast, uh, but uh, we do have some left. Awesome. Uh, so to all our listeners out there who want to be a part of this discussion, make sure you grab yours. Thanks once again to Carolina Stetcher of the Winnipeg Foundation for speaking with us today. Uh, but before you go, Carolina, is there anything you would like to add? Well, I'd like to tell people how to get tickets. and uh, They can do that uh, from our website, winnipegvitalsigns.org, or you can also visit the Winnipeg Foundation's uh, Uh, website at wpgfdn.org to get to uh, Winnipeg's Vital Signs and you can access our uh, the Eventbrite uh, event from there and uh, it is free to attend so uh, we hope to see you out. Thanks Sunny and thanks again to Carolina Stetcher of the Winnipeg Foundation for speaking with us today. Coming up after our next musical break, we're going to hear from Hijab Mitra. She is one of the panelists on the upcoming Your Winnipeg in 2030 Building Belonging in Our City event, as Carolina just told us all about it. We're going to learn about why she believes that inclusivity is at the heart of the design process. But before we get to that, here's Chiffons with Sweet Talking Guy right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today. A couple of weeks ago, we had the chance to speak with Hijab Mitra. She's an architect and founder of Mistecture Architecture and Interiors. And Hijab is also one of the panelists at the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030. I asked her how she envisioned a more sustainable Winnipeg and how our built environment can reflect that. Sustainability is not only about energy. Sustainability is about people, our surroundings, our environment, the way we feel and how we behave to each other. And so it is very important. It is an inclusive process and it's not related just to energy efficiency. As an architect, I am a trained zero energy architect. And so I have a degree, my master's degree in zero energy buildings. But sustainability is much more than that. Sustainability is how we include our climate with our people and make that work. And if we ever thought about creating sustainability through architecture, I think one of the most important ways how we can make that happen is through collaboration and to actually understanding people and understanding the stories and the surroundings they live in. And perhaps the best example of that idea of inclusion is the redevelopment of the Merchants Hotel on Selkirk Avenue, Merchants Corner which Hijab designed and is set to have its grand opening on April 28th. Hijab referenced how understanding people and collaboration were central to the design process for Merchant's Corner. So when I was interviewed as an architect and when we were awarded the project, one of the community leaders came up to me and said, this is not an ordinary project. It has to be done from grassroots. So at that point, that stuck with me so much because I was so thankful for giving me the opportunity. And I was wondering, how do I make that come true for this person about grassroots? And the only way to go grassroots was understanding the people who live there. And so... We decided to come up with an all-inclusive process where we went door to door and asked people what they want. And it was amazing, the reaction of people. They were like, you really want to know what we want for our community? And I was was like, yes, and I want to know because they knew more about the project through me than they've ever heard about the project. And so it became a very, very interesting process of going door to door, talking to people, listening to the stories. And I heard such fascinating stories. I also met uh, Olympic bronze medalists on Pritchard Avenue and it was so amazing to see the diversity and the multiculturalism. Building on that idea of grassroots and reflecting the diversity of the neighborhood, Hijab thought of Merchant's Corner as a place that also tells the stories of people in the community through its design and environment. The Merchant's Hotel project is basically a community project and it is a story of everybody who lives there and who participated in that. And I'm hoping that this will be forever because it will be the stories of people who imagine the space, stories of people who will live in it, who will work in it, and who live in the neighborhood. And that's what the Merchants Hotel represents. Thanks again to Hijab Mitra, architect and founder of Mistexture Architecture and Interiors and designer of Merchants Corner for speaking with me. Hijab will be sharing more of her insights about sustainability and how designs like Merchant's Corner can build belonging and foster reconciliation in our community at the Winnipeg Foundation's upcoming vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030. It's happening Tuesday, April 3rd at 7 p.m. at the University of Winnipeg Richardson College for the Environment and Science Complex. That's at 599 Portage Avenue. And 
To RSVP or learn more, you can visit winnipegvitalsigns.org. Thanks, Robert, and thanks again to Hijab Mitra for speaking with us today. We've got another great conversation coming down the pipe uh, with Mr. Brent Bellamy coming up next. He's the creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group, and he's going to be joining the panel on Tuesday at the uh, Your Winnipeg in 2030 Vital Conversation. We're going to talk to him and get his take on Winnipeg when it sort of comes to sustainability, uh, the contentious uh, topic of opening Portage in Maine, and if he believes that's a good idea or not, and how our city fares when it comes to public transportation and city density here in Winnipeg. Uh, But before we get to that wonderful conversation, here's 101 Strings with Weekend Pass, right here on River City 360. Thank you. 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I'm now joined by Brent Bellamy. He is the creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group, and he's one of the panelists at the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation, entitled Your Winnipeg in 2030, and that's happening on April 3rd. Brent, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. The conversation is all about your Winnipeg in 2030 and specifically about a sustainable Winnipeg. And so when you think of sustainability, what are some ways in which you envision a more sustainable Winnipeg? And how do you think that our built environment can reflect that? You know, sustainability means a lot of different things. I think we often think of sustainability as green buildings, you know, using less electricity, less water, that kind of thing, which is an important thing to reduce our our carbon footprint in the world. But to me, sustainability on a citywide level really means economic sustainability. And um, the way we've been building our city for the last, I don't know, 80 years maybe, um, has really been focused on automobile use and urban sprawl. And the city has been getting larger and larger and less dense, and it's really becoming unsustainable. Since 1970, the city has grown in population by about one-third, and it's grown by more than half, almost 60%. It's 60% larger in area. So all the people paying, all the taxes that we spend to maintain roads, uh, garbage collection, build schools, all of those things is being spread thinner between fewer taxpayers. So it's really becoming something, and, and like one, what we complain about most in, in civic elections is is potholes and all those things that that we can't afford to do because the city's becoming less and less dense and it's sprawling further out and and to me that's the conversation about sustainability is really about what kind, how we build a city that can really pay for itself and offer the quality of life that we all sort of want there's sort of an argument for making sure that there is a little bit more not necessarily that the city doesn't grow, but just to maybe be a little bit smarter about it yeah. and to think about the design of our communities so that it does have that multifaceted idea of sustainability uh, for everyone. And mm-hmm. I think that's something everyone should be able to get behind. I think people don't really think very deeply about the causes of some of the issues that they really feel are important. The potholes, uh, everyone hates potholes. Everybody wants their kids to walk to school. You know, everybody wants a safe community. And, and so we can't afford those things, the reason we can't afford those things is because of the choices we've made in how we build our city. As the inner city get, becomes less dense, like a neighborhood like, say, Crescent Wood or St. Boniface River Heights, as that becomes less dense, all those schools that exist there are now at 50% capacity, but neighborhoods like Waverly West and Sage Creek are bursting at the seams. They just built a new school in Sage Creek and it's already at capacity. So you can't tear down schools in Crescent Wood and move them to Sage Creek. We have to build the city more intelligently and increase the density in those existing neighborhoods so we don't have to build new schools and plow more roads and do all those things that that happen in the far suburbs. Can you speak to some of your recent local projects that you've worked on with Number 10? And when thinking about the idea of building belonging, how do you incorporate that into the planning and design process of a project? It's definitely the most difficult thing. It's hard to, f- to fit a building, especially when you do a, a project downtown. How do you fit it, or into the exchange district as an example, how do you fit it into its context? How, does it, how do you make it feel like it's sort of always been there? I'm a great proponent of hiring local designers, and I think that's it's something where sort of all cities are moving towards this idea of hiring designers from big cities, that it provides some sort of cachet. I think 
local designers really have an understanding of this city. And I'm working on a project right now. It'll actually be unveiled at the beginning of April for the Richardsons. And it's a it's a laboratory building in the Exchange District. So what we've done is we've used materials that are, are local. And we've, you know, Tindallstone. And we've sort of shaped the building so it feels like a Winnipeg building. Like it's an appropriate scale and it connects to the sidewalk and it has sort of softer edges so people feel comfortable around the building. And, you know, I think there's a lot of things that architects can do to make a building fit into its into its neighborhood. And it also has to be environmentally sustainable as well. Because like, we buildings that we build today, good buildings will stand for 100 years and they need to be adaptable and they need to be environmentally sustainable. But they also need to be buildings that I think people fall in love with. Because if you think of the buildings that we're protecting today, the old buildings, they're buildings that we love. And so if you fall in love with a building, you'll maintain the building and future generations will re repurpose them. The beautiful buildings of the exchange are being turned into lofts because we connect to those buildings on an emotional level, their sort of texture and the materials that they use. And it's because of that, that they're finding new life. If they, we didn't have that emotional connection to them, we'd be tearing them down and putting up modern stucco boxes. So that's really an important thing. Build buildings that people can fall in love with. People might know you from your columns in the Winnipeg Free Press or your presence on Twitter. And on Twitter, you, you post a lot of photos from around the city, uh, including some that take a look at Winnipeg now versus Winnipeg, you know, the same spot from years ago. Yeah. What would you say is sort of your favorite throwback idea, something that we used to have here in Winnipeg that maybe we should take a second look at? Yeah, I love taking those photos. I, I like to stand in the exact spot and sort of feel the history of what was there. The one thing that's been sort of gnawing at me over the last year or so in looking at these old photos is actually streetcars. You know, I'm a big proponent of, of transit, public transit in general, and I have been a proponent of rapid transit, but I do feel like we're sort of missing one element. Rapid transit really brings people sort of from the suburbs into downtown quickly. Regular bus transit is a little bit more connective, but there's sort of this missing middle piece, which I think streetcars could really begin to fill in. Because they are sort of seen as more permanent infrastructure, because they have rails, what they do is they actually create an incentive for, for growth and development. And developers, because they see it as permanent infrastructure as opposed to a bus, which a bus route could change any moment, that permanent infrastructure creates an incentive for developers to want to build next to it because people are attracted to things like streetcars, the ride quality, the cachet of streetcars, and we see it in Toronto. It creates a different type of user between buses and rapid transit. It creates a more broad demographic of transit user. And I think we're really missing an opportunity to change the dialogue of what transit is in Winnipeg. It's, sort, it's not seen as mobility for everybody in the city. It's sort of, you know, students and people who can't afford an SUV drive buses. And that's not the reality, but that's sort of the perception. And when you do something like create a network of streetcars, it changes the perception and not only will affect how people ride streetcars, but then the other levels of transit like buses and rapid transit becomes a more viable option for everybody. It's, it's really changing the perception. And it was something that we had. We had 200 kilometers of streetcar line in the 1950s. And obviously now we have none. They were completely torn up. All those main streets like Sherbrooke and Academy and Main Street and all, all the, the streets that radiate from the center are all there because they were designed to be for a streetcar. And so the physical layout of the city is actually perfectly aligned right now to do it. And I think it would really change how we move around our city to look at investing in something unique like that. And you think back to some of those cities that still do operate streetcars and even just the, the frequency of how yeah. often you'd be able to get a streetcar. 
it's like, why would you want to, you know, for the amount of time that it would take you to actually find a parking spot, you'd already be on a streetcar yeah. halfway to your next destination. That's exactly it. We don't really build our transit right now for getting around. It's more for getting from home to work once in the morning and once in the evening. And that's sort of it. To actually get to use transit to go to Polo Park, as an example, to go shopping or to go play hockey at a hockey arena, it's really difficult. There's, the mobility is not there. And a streetcar system that is really efficient and consistent and frequent would really create a transit that can be used for day-to-day -day mobility. It has to be as efficient as a car or people won't do it. We are speaking with Brent Bellamy, one of the panelists of the Vital Conversation, your Winnipeg in 2030, that's taking place this coming Tuesday. We're going to take a short musical break, but we'll have more with Brent after this. So for now, here is Frank Mills with Ballad on a Sea Scale, right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and we now rejoin my conversation with Brent Bellamy, the creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group and panelist in the upcoming Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, that's taking place on Tuesday. And on the note of uh, of getting around, whether or not Portage and Main should be opened is is pretty much something that everyone in Winnipeg has an opinion on. Yes, it should um, be. Some people saying it should be uh, opened up, others <laughs> saying that people can cross just fine underground. But something else that you tweeted a while back that really resonated with me was about someone who is in a wheelchair or mobility impaired, how they would cross Portage and Main. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that and why that's something that people should really take into consideration when they think about the future of Portage in Maine. Opening Portage in Maine is about accessibility for everybody. And it's been designed for cars exclusively. There, you can get across if you know how underneath, but really it's designed for the car. And so to bring people back not only makes it better literally for every single pedestrian in the downtown, but if you try to cross there now, if you try to go from the Richardson building to the Trizec building, it's about a 12-minute journey if you have any kind of mobility challenge. And I'm not talking about people in wheelchairs. We, we are all going to be old one day, hopefully. That's the goal is to be old. And so we can't design our cities only for 30-year-old males who are healthy and can move quickly on an underground passageway. To cross Portage and Main, it's, I think, four elevators five or six door openers it's two ramps it's really a convoluted way and it, it you get shuffled into the back of buildings when there's not necessarily easy to find either no it's absolutely like you not. have to kind of know from experience where that yeah. is and where's the dignity in that where's the dignity of being shuffled into the a back corridor in the richardson building to cross the street it's it's crazy and it's really embarrassing for our city that we should think of people in higher esteem that they should be able to cross the street whenever they want. And it's sort of this attitude, well, I need to drive from one side of the city to the other as fast as I can, and I don't care about anybody else's needs. But we need to stop thinking that way and start thinking about building our city inclusively for everybody. And opening Portage Maine won't change the world, but it will, it's a very strong signal to what kind of city we believe we should be. Getting back to the subject of sustainability in the vital conversation, you'll be a panelist speaking at the event on April 3rd. Why do you think that it's important for us to be having this vital conversation? And what are you hoping that people will take away from it? You know, Winnipeg is growing faster than it has since, you know, the post-war era. We're heading quickly towards a million people. And we don't really realize that. Everyone sort of still thinks of Winnipeg as a half million, even though we've passed 800,000 and we're gaining 10 to 15,000 people a year. We need to step back and decide if what we're building today as a city is what we want in the future because we're at the cusp of becoming a large city. Once we sort of enter the larger city grouping with Calgary and Ottawa and Edmonton, and we need to compete with those cities for economic investment, tourism, immigration. We want our kids to stay here and prosper and have great jobs and a great quality of life instead of going to Vancouver to get that or Montreal or Toronto or wherever else that uh, lifestyle exists that they're looking for. Things like transit and honestly opening Portage in Maine is a big symbolic gesture towards that. Creating an urban lifestyle, a lifestyle choice that is open to different types of people. Everybody, a lot of people love living in the suburbs and that's great. I would never want to stop that. But that can't be our only lifestyle choice that we offer because there's a lot of people that want 
different lifestyles. They want the connectivity. They want the local coffee shop and the great little Chinese restaurant on the corner. And they want to sit in a, in a great urban park and connect to their friends. And, and that urban lifestyle that we just don't offer in Winnipeg, and, but other cities do. And so you can't just create that out of thin air. It has to be planned and thought about way in advance. The decisions we make today are the things that are going to affect the city that our grandchildren live in. And so we need to step back and have a real conversation about what that future should be. And as much as, you know, people who live in urban areas don't want to live in suburban areas and vice versa, you know, if people really sat down and had those conversations, they would see that there aren't really that many differences, even though they're, they're neighborhoods and the lifestyle that they've chosen based on where they live mm-hmm. might be different. But they're really, you know, everyone at the end of the day kind of wants the same thing for their city. And so it's really important for all of those people to come together and have those dialogues. I totally agree. People really don't think about it. And there is sort of this, oh, you want everybody to live in a skyscraper downtown or or you hate everybody that lives in a suburb. That's absolutely not the case. I want a good quality of life for everybody, people who live in the suburbs or live downtown. I want a city that has those choices so we're not losing people to either one. And you're absolutely right. People do want, like I said, they want their kids to walk to school. They want their kids to be able to ride their bikes safely to the park. They want great recreation services. They want libraries. They want really good quality of life things. And that's that has nothing to do with living urban or living suburban. It has to do with being able to afford the choices we make. And, and that's why we need to have a discussion about that because we can't afford it. It's clear we can't afford the path that we're on. And so are we just going to continue it for the next 20 years and then have our children pay the price? Or are we going to make changes today to give them a better life in our city? Last question before we go. What's your favorite thing about Winnipeg? And what's one thing that you hope that Winnipeg can improve on for the year 2030? Oh, boy. Um, Every city says they're a a collection of great neighborhoods. I truly believe that Winnipeg is a collection of great neighborhoods. And I love the fact that people are from their neighborhood, even if they live in Edmonton. They're still River Heights guys. They're still St. Boniface boys. They're still T. Kona guys. No matter where they live, you always have that connection to your neighborhood. And I really feel like Winnipeg has some really spectacular neighborhoods. And I want that to continue and be something that we are proud of in the future. And, and to me, that's even about building things like community clubs and libraries and, and building things in those neighborhoods that we connect to instead of putting them all everything out in the IKEA development or something. Building our neighborhoods more strong in the future so we continue to have that connection to it when we grow up. What I hope we do as a city is really begin to understand that density is not the enemy. I, I feel like the word density is almost a swear word to people. And if you th- look at mature neighborhoods, there's 30% fewer people living there today than in the 70s. So everybody who grew up in the 70s that now fears infield development and growth on their street, think about the fact that the city you grew up in, that neighborhood you grew up in, had 30% more people. And so we can fit that kind of density in your neighborhood without really affecting your quality of life. And it will, it will re-energize those neighborhoods and make our city more vibrant and more sustainable in the long run. That's really what I hope we can sort of change our, our mindset and not fear density, and, but really embrace the great things that it can bring.
the Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, is happening on Tuesday, April 3rd from 7 to 9 p.m. It's taking place at the University of Winnipeg Richardson College for the Environment and Science Complex at 599 Portage Avenue. And uh, if you're interested in being part of the conversation, we'd love to have you out. And uh, if you want to RSVP to the event, you can visit winnipegvitalsigns.org. I want to thank Brent Bellamy from Number 10 Architectural Group for speaking with me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks, Robert, and thanks again to Brent Bellamy. Coming up next, we've got more River City 360 for you. We're going to tell you about some of the great events that are coming up in Winnipeg this weekend and beyond. But before we get to that, we've got some more tunes here. So why not the four lads with Bus Stop Song right here on RC360. I'll give to you a paper of pins And that's the way our love begins If you will marry me, me, me If you will marry me I'll give to you a feathery bed With downy pillows for your head If you will marry me, me, me If you will marry me My money, my wedding ring And in the bargain I'll throw in me If you will marry me River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you today, and it's now time for our recurring segment called This Week in Winnipeg. It's our community calendar where we take a look at some of the upcoming events that are going on in our city, and the first one we're going to talk about, as we mentioned earlier, and as uh, as you've no doubt heard from the theme of this episode, if you've been listening since the beginning, the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation is happening on Tuesday, April 3rd. It's being held in partnership with Storefront Manitoba, and it's called Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City. So it's an interactive vital conversation about envisioning and building a healthy and sustainable Winnipeg. You'll learn about homegrown urban plans and community designs that break down divisions, cultivate belonging, and foster reconciliation. There's a fantastic panel. Brent Bellamy, who's the creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group, 
Paul Jordan, the CEO of the Forks North Portage Partnership, Hijab Mitra, architect at Mistexture, and Jamil Mahmood, the executive director of Spence Neighborhood Association. Those will be the panelists, and Dan Lett from the Winnipeg Free Press will be the moderator for the panel discussion. Again, that is happening Tuesday, April 3rd from 7 to 9 p.m. Doors will open at 6.30, and it's taking place at the University of Winnipeg Richardson College for the Environment and Science Complex just in the main Power Corporation atrium there, and that is at 599 Portage Avenue. Spots have been filling up very fast for this vital conversation. It promises to be an excellent discussion. So if you're interested, be sure to RSVP at winnipegvitalsigns.org. Again, the address to RSVP is winnipegvitalsigns.org. The Assiniboine Park Conservatory is set to close permanently on Monday, April 2nd, and so the Assiniboine Park Conservancy is organizing somewhat of an open house farewell celebration. That's actually, it began yesterday, but it's running all the way till April 2nd, the last day, and visitors are invited to come and share their memories of the conservatory, whether it's through writing, whether it's photos or video. Visitors to the conservatory are invited to share their memories of the conservatory, and uh, visitors who come during the farewell celebration will be able to see a commemorative slideshow featuring some of those photos and memories that uh, community members have submitted. That portion, the farewell celebration, takes place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that is happening daily. The conservatory itself is open daily from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and admission is free. But again, if you want to check out the conservatory for the last time, the last day that it will be open to the public is Monday, April 2nd. And last but not least, on Wednesday, April 4th, from 6 to 10 p.m. at the RBC Convention Center, Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation is holding its gold-plated evening. It's a fundraiser featuring a dinner, entertainment, and auction prizes in support of men's cancers. Since the event began, it's raised more than $2 million to support men's cancer prevention, detection, research, and patient care. And all of the funds that are raised at the event stay in Manitoba. So it's a wonderful cause. And again, that is happening Wednesday, April 4th from 6 to 10 p.m. at the RBC Convention Center. Tickets are $250, and if you'd like to purchase tickets to the event, you can contact Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation at 204-927-5430 or L. McGregor, that's L-M-C-G-R-E-G-O-R, at cancercare.mb.ca. And if you have a community event that you'd like for us to feature on River City 360, feel free to leave us a message on our listener line 24-7. The number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Or you can send us an email. Our email address is rivercity360, that's the numbers 360, at wpgfdn.org. Again, that's rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we've got more River City 360 for you, but we've got time for a little bit more music before we go, so here's Jan and Dean with Drag City right here on RC360.
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you for all of our guests for uh, speaking with us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the program. The number, 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. You can search at RiverCity360 on Twitter, or just search RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Yeah.